TAFS Talks listeners, math is tough for many students, but when is it time to develop an intervention? The FAM is your answer. It's a comprehensive math test that helps you identify specific subtypes of dyscalculia, which enables you to create more targeted interventions to better benefit your students. A screening form lets you quickly screen for math learning disabilities, and you can generate scores and interpretations online via PAR iConnect. Learn more at parinc.com backslash FAM or contact your PAR assessment consultant, Theo Miron at T-M-I-R-O-N at parinc.com. Welcome back to the Task Talk Podcast, podcast where we talk about all the goings-ons in the world of school psychology and other random musings. From San Antonio, as always, I'm Chris Ponce. And right here in Lubbock, Texas, this is Brooke. And North Texas is Kears Kia. And how are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Really, Can't really good. Yeah, yeah. It's done with day. the heat. I'm already done with the heat, but otherwise I'm good. <laughs> We, uh, we recently uh, traveled uh, to go visit our daughter uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. There was a little bit of humidity there that I'm not accustomed to. My body was not made for that. <laughs> it's, it's adjusted to the Lubbock life, correct? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got confused when you sent that message, Brooke, and you were like, you know, visiting Savannah. I was like, that doesn't look like Savannah, Georgia. And then like, <laughs> That's what I was I figured, thinking, too. I figured it out. I got there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so how was that trip brooke do you have a good time oh, it was good it's good it was, we had a great time so did a lot of things so your first time to tennessee or no uh first time to that part of tennessee so yeah. but uh but yeah it was it was good we went to let's see we went to tennessee like 10 oh god like 12 years ago we went to dollywood have you ever been to dollywood oh, <laughs> that was that was actually a lot more fun than i thought it was going to be i mean tennessee in general is beautiful out there and you know it was so much fun because we went on like a little reunion trip or something like that and i thought dollywood was gonna be kind of boring but it was a blast i had a song in there i've been i've been obsessed with dolly from my uh from your youth from my youth (laughs) she is one of the most Um, iconic people of our time she is uh, when we went to dollywood i was really expecting kind of a more adult themed theme park you know where i could buy crass souvenirs um kind of along with her was, personality right i was a got... little disappointed uh you know <laughs> did you know that she did you know that dolly parton sponsors an initiative to give kids free books uh you can yeah. sign if kids in tennessee can sign up and they get a free book a month until they're like five i think That's um, and she helped favor so yeah she's a big advocate for education and early literacy and taking care of kids she well, is an incredible human being well, that was a nice segue from Dolly Parton to her initiative for children. <laughs> so Brooke and I were talking the other day and we thought up a really nice, interesting question just for the three of us. If, and if you guys haven't noticed, Megan Medina is not with us today. Um, she will be joining us on further episodes, but she's just scheduling conflicts. Uh, she's a very busy woman. Um, but we were talking about, all right, so if it was appropriate, I would, and then we fill in the blank. And now my concern about this, I don't know what the other two guys' question answers are, but this can go to some deep, dark places. Mine are not. Mine are very vanilla, but I'm very passionate about it. For instance, I think I should be able to wear shorts at work. I'm a huge proponent of shorts. I think they're more comfortable. <laughs> um, I sweat very easily. So pants are already kind of messing with me. And I also hate like button-ups because like I don't like 
feeling like I'm being choked by somebody who's very weak all day long. So I don't wear ties. I don't wear bow ties or anything like that. That's, that's just kind of my thing. That's like a weird soapbox, but I, I stand by it. If it was appropriate, I would, I would wear shorts every single day at work unless it was cold. Cause I'm not dumb, but you know, there are career paths where that was an option, Chris, like, like, like UPS driver um, <laughs> would have been an option. Fully aware, fully aware. But the other thing is I freaking love my job. So like, that's the issue. I, I go every morning when I look in my closet, I'm like, damn pants again, but it is what it is. My, it is my burden to bear, I guess. Right. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you got, Brooke? Do you have something? So yeah. Um, and again, probably plain Jane, you know, there's nothing life shattering, earth shattering here. Um, if it were appropriate for an adult like myself to use a tray when I eat that separates <laughs> all of my food into so that they don't touch, I would do that every meal. I don't like my food touching. My two-year-old has some plates like that. I could sense them up there. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah, we have the little plastic circle plates with the dividers. Yeah, we were square colorful. Away. Give me some some cars themed plates, or you know, have some bulldozer uh, spoons. Frozen. Stupid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I I don't know that you know I don't know that I can get away with carrying that into a restaurant. You know, if I go to Outback Steakhouse, they they want to. <laughs> you have to bring your own plate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. I got my own. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Here, send this back to the cook. You got something, Kia? I don't know about it appropriate. So I was trying to think about this. And, you know, it's, I don't know that it's inappropriate, but the closest one I can think of is say is if it was appropriate, and I guess it'd just be more responsible. I would have, I would, I would drive a motorcycle. Um, oh my God. So that's kind of what mine is. But like being, you know, a, a husband and a father and a bad driver, uh, it just is not very responsible of me to, to own and have a motorcycle, but that would be mine. It's like, if it were appropriate, I would have, and I would ride a motorcycle. I'm going to jump in your sidecar for that okay. one. <laughs> My wife absolutely forbids it. It is, it yeah. has been a, I mean, I've been with her since high school, but it just comes up all the time. Every time a motorcycle drives by, she loves to point out, Oh, look, Oliver, that's what your father's never going to drive. She loves yeah. to rub it in my face. Now, at this point, I think it's more of a joke to her than yeah. an actual stance. Two years ago, she's like, well, you can take some lessons. And I'm like, that's not the same thing. Like, now you're just like, you're giving me a piece of cake and then like throwing the rest of it in the trash. Like, I want to do the full on thing. But yes, I, I agree with you, Kia. It is, yeah. I don't think I'll ever do it. <laughs> I've, I've never even bothered to think about asking because I'm just like, that's just, that's going to go work. And, and again, I don't, I don't want to because like, I, again, knowing my driving skills and just think about it, it's not, but that, that'd be mine. If there were some potential, I'd be like, oh yeah, I would, yeah, I would have a motorcycle. So. That's great. Brooke, have you ever ridden a motorcycle? I wrote, we rented a moped in cancun once and that didn't go very well um because neither my wife or i had uh, ever ridden a motorcycle and we were riding together and and so just we walked we and laid, pushing it down the road we just we laid it out flat before we even got started oh no so, <laughs> nope i'm not riding motorcycles man that's great that's a good one key i wish i would have yeah. done that one well, we have a very special episode today. Um, we want to have a nice discussion about, you know, legislature and kind of what's been going on this year. We are reintroducing Ashley back. How are you doing, Ashley Arnold? I'm doing well, doing well, still living the dream. Attaway, that's what we all want to vie for. Anything going on in your life or any, you know, if it was appropriate, Ashley, what would you do? <laughs> I think if it was appropriate, I would skydive to work every day. Oh, my God. Ma'am, I sometimes it's hard for me to get on roller coasters, let alone get on something where there's free solo gave me so much stress. I don't know if you guys seen that documentary, and that's not even the same damn thing. But 
are you an avid skydiver, Ashley? Uh, well, I'm a rich and I, that's on my list. Um, I used to want to, I always want to go around time of my birthday, but my birthday is in January and you have to have a clear sky in, Jan in January or to skydive rather. And in January, it's frequently overcast. And so they don't let you go. So it's still on my bucket list to do that. So you could do your half birthday. Cause I then it'd be in July. That's you know? true. I, I, yes. There you go, Kia. I will uh, look into it for my half birthday. Yes. Do you have something you want to add, Brooke? Do they still have that bungee jumping place over the river? Oh, is it over the Guadalupe or over the Frio? Have you? I have bungee jump. I've not okay. done it over the river. Actually, of all random places, did it in Dallas, actually. Huh. Uh, yeah, I went, I did the bungee jump over the river. Uh, I think it was outside of San Marcos. Uh, and we did that for high school graduation. And I never want to do anything like that again. So count me out of skydiving, bungee jumping, anything like that. See, I feel like I would skydive over bungee jump. That bungee jumping just seems so dangerous. And this is somebody who wants to ride a motorcycle, but like <laughs> it just stresses me out. But well, it's great to have you back, Ashley. And we have a new guest on today, Marty DeLeon. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. Thank you for having me. For our audience, you are not a school psychologist. You know, you you help TASP with a lot of things. I'm gonna let you kind of introduce that. So what do you do? How do you work with TASP? And what is what's your profession? Actually, I think, Marty, you are the first official non-school psych guest, actually, yes. I believe. Yes, because so. so even welcome. some of the ones who've been other things are still school psychs. So yes. I, I thought this was going to be a podcast where I was going to be a patient and get oh, uh, some no. therapy. Because uh, no. <laughs> once I tell you my profession, so I'm a, a full-time lobbyist. I work at the state capitol, and uh, I've been doing that for 20 years. Uh, I'm a former school teacher. I taught fifth grade, uh, and then uh, I... Uh, well, I, I graduated to, uh, to being a lawyer. And then, uh, you know, I, in my mom's eyes, I'm going downhill. I started off as a teacher, then I became a lawyer. And now so respectful. Robbed. Now, uh, she says, if you start selling used cars, don't come to Thanksgiving, you know, so uh, yeah, yeah, I've got to make a living somehow. Yeah. Well, how did that transition happen from teacher to, you know, lawyer? Uh, so it really, um, just by happenstance, I have a I have an older brother that who, who is a lawyer, and so uh, you know, kind of set the the path uh, for for me and my other brother. And so, uh, you know, I kind of fell into it, and then I realized halfway in, I was like, I really don't want to be a lawyer. This is not fun. This is not uh, like L.A. law or or the yeah. practice. It's no not slamming like, fists down on tables or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, I realized, oh my God, this is drudgery. This is boring. So anyway, I found myself at the Capitol really as a recovering attorney after a few months of getting my license. And then I realized Capitol is, is where I belong just because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's the intersection of, of politics and, and innuendo and, and gossip and uh, I found myself at home. It's like being in high school. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what do you do with, how do you work with TAF? So you're our liaison, correct? Yeah, I'm your legislative consultant. Uh, you know, that's the, the polite way of saying lobbyist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I lobby on behalf of the organization, working on policy and initiatives that the association cares about and uh, trying to change laws uh, or prevent laws from happening. Uh, that would harm the profession. Yeah, I mean, the, the capital is is much like the game of Monopoly. It's a very 
rules-driven process. And uh, I see myself like a Sherpa taking the uh, issues up the mountain and then down the mountain safely if we can. But uh, yeah, the, the, the democratic process or the, the legislature is not designed for the, uh, the average person uh, to participate in. Interesting. So how, so you've been with TAS for over 10 years. Did we send out a flyer and you picked it up or how did you associate <laughs> with us? <laughs> we just went uh, to yeah. different law schools and just started. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I, I'm trying to think back. I know uh, Ashley uh, and, and uh, the uh, former task president, Lori Close, I remember having coffee with them over 10 years ago and uh, I'm not sure how we found each other. This was before, uh, Craigslist and uh, other social media, but it, we just had coffee and, and I think they were unhappy with their, uh, their previous lobbyist. And so uh, kind of worked out that um, uh, with my school background, Lori and I having both gone to, to Berkeley, but uh, yeah, I was, uh, you caught me at the beginning of my career uh, almost uh, when I started out on my own and yeah. um, I had been practicing already for almost 10 years, uh, but I wanted to help individual associations and uh, make a difference that way. So why do you like working with a bunch of school psychologists? Because I've heard that we can be a pretty honorary group, not tasks. I'm talking about in general, the profession. But... <laughs> well, you know, the, the group, the, the group school psychologists, uh, you know, you guys are, um, well, the redheaded stepchild in the, the psychology world and uh you know, my background is mainly public schools and the LSSPs are the, the lone and, and, and I think uh, significant group of people that are addressing mental health long before mental health entered our vernacular. I, I find what you do is important. And, you know, I'm saying it through my teenagers that, you know, mental health is real and uh, it should be, you know, given a significant consideration and, and uh, influence. Well, thank you. That means a lot. So I'm going to kind of turn it over to you and Ashley, and we can kind of transition into kind of what's been going on this year. Um, either one of you can kind of take it from here. So yeah, I'll, I'll start, you know, so we have, we have Marty here to kind of talk about new laws that uh, resulted from our past legislative session, the good old 87th. Um, but Marty, before we kind of talk about specific bills and legislation, why don't you kind of set the table and the mood for us, if you will, um, you know, back to January to the beginning uh, when the circus came to our fair city. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ashley. So the uh, session began with much uncertainty. Uh, there was a lot going on. Uh, and really, the uh, all these uh, events, um, the, the, the session and, and school and everything else really orbited around COVID-19. Uh, this uh, pandemic uh, really um, uh, drove a wedge and, and, and was a significant factor in so many decisions uh, leading into the session. So we had a new president. Uh, the vaccine was, was just in its uh, uh, early stages of, of being uh, widely disseminated. The, the legislature was gonna have a new speaker. Uh, the budget was really uh, facing a, a $1 billion shortfall due to the shutdown. Uh, and then of course we had this freak biblical a uh, winter storm that shut down uh, uh, most of Texas. But all the while, uh, during that whole 
uh, uncertain time, you know, schools were still operating and, and really in a virtual format. Um, and, but at the time schools are really looking to get uh, additional funding for the students that weren't coming to school. Uh, so anyway, the, the session began with, uh, with, with so much uh, that was unknown. Uh, and so uh, when we began the session, uh, there was, you know, we weren't sure where, where we were going to be uh, five months from, from, from that period. Great. Thanks, Marty, for kind of painting that picture. Um, but I think kind of, you know, what might be helpful to our audience is kind of a quick primer about how a bill becomes a law. So if you don't mind, Marty, can you sing just, just that classic from <laughs> Schoolhouse Rock, I'm just a bill? Yeah. Take it away, Marty. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm going to need some uh, Adele music to get me going here. I don't know. I don't know if I can belt it out. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the for our audience, I might I might spare us um, my singing. Uh, and it's not that interesting, really. When, uh, you know, I think the uh, as I said before, at the top of the, the podcast, uh, the process, the legislative uh, process itself is not uh, easily understood uh, by the general public. And uh, it's probably a reason for that. You know, the lawmakers probably don't want you to see or, or be that transparent. Uh, but essentially, lawmakers uh, file a bill at the beginning of the session, and it has to be assigned a committee. So if, for with regard to school psychologists, any bills generally in that area would go to the public health committee. Uh, and then the committee would deliberate on the bill. There's a hearing. And if if uh, there's enough votes in the committee, they'll send it on to a calendars committee. Uh, and then the, after that, the, that committee decides, is this a bill worth a floor vote? So should we be lucky enough to get a positive and affirmative vote on the House floor or Senate floor? Then it starts that whole process again uh, in the other chamber. And um, it, it's almost like Groundhog Day because you have to go through that same process uh, through the other chamber. And the rules are slightly different uh, in each chamber. But if you're successful, you get through those chambers and then you make it through the to the governor's uh, desk and hopefully he signs your bill into legislation. Real quick, Ash, I have a quick question. So does this happen every single year? No, the Texas legislature is one of the few states that only meets once every two years. Not only every other year, but only January through the end of May either. We, we don't work a full year either. So good work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel like I'm like a supermodel. I, I binge <laughs> for five months and then I purge for 18 oh, months. <laughs> is that appropriate? I, I do. I, yeah, is, is this a PJ King crowd? That's, that's, that's right up our sense of humor. So <laughs> if we right, need right. to, there's a little E button we can check before we launch the episode. So it's like explicit. So people are, can be warned. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out and we'll listen. And if we need to check that E, we'll be good. For any supermodels that have offended, I apologize. <laughs> With all sincerity. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. So, since we only we only work about five months every other year, when we begin that session, our illustrious governor outlines his priorities. So, Marty, can you tell us what were Governor Abbott's priorities heading into the 87th? And did mental health make that infamous list? So, yes, the governor would uh, usually in the, the state of the state begins the session and outlines his priorities uh, for the session. And, and they really serve as a guide uh, for all legislation because really the, uh, 
all bills have to, they end up on his desk or, or not. But his priorities this session were more conservative than in years past. Um, they, he was interested in improving election integrity, punishing local governments that defunded the police, higher standards for felons seeking bail. Broadband, the digital divide was, was made more apparent because of the pandemic. We realized that uh, we're still in the 19th century when it comes to, to Wi-Fi and internet connectivity. Uh, liability protections for businesses that opened during the pandemic. Uh, and then some minor issues related to, to public schools. Uh, they wanted, uh, the governor uh, wanted to uh, increase instruction on, on civics and, and really uh, Texas uh, patriotism, if you will. Abortion's always a red meat issue uh, for conservatives and they wanted to go further uh, in that area. And of course, uh, gun rights. They wanted to see more, more in that area as far as allowing individuals to carry guns. So not mental health as a priority once again for our state. Okay. So, so, so the normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> so did the legislature accomplish many of the governor's conservative goals, in your opinion, Marty? Uh, no, no, no. Well, well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I think uh, if you're a conservative, I think you're pretty happy with how the session ended. Um, election integrity, uh, which was Senate Bill 7, this was a bill that, uh, that really um, transformed the session uh, because uh, it was a bill that limited early voting. It uh, took away drive-through voting. There was a, a punishment for counties that sent in mail-in ballot applications. It went really uh, to a new extreme. And, and finally, uh, lawmakers, Democrats, uh, had had enough because the, all these changes really percolated towards the end of the session, towards the very, like the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, if you will. And uh, Democrats just walked out and, and without a quorum, they couldn't pass Senate Bill 7. Uh, Republicans were able to, because they control the House and Senate, they were able to get uh, legislation that allows individuals who are 21 and over to carry a gun without a license. Um, Cities that defund the police uh, will be um, will be punished um, in terms of of, of, of their taxes. The uh, abortion issue went to a new extreme. So uh, persons, women who are seeking an abortion, must do so within the first six weeks of the pregnancy. Uh, and the critical race theory. This is all coming from the uh, New York Times. Uh, research on the 1619 project. For some conservatives, it didn't, know, didn't go far enough uh, as far as being prescriptive uh, for teachers. Uh, and then the uh, transgender uh, youth playing sports. Uh, there was legislation that would have limited uh, transgender youth uh, to playing sports based on their birth certificate and not their gender identity. But overall, Conservatives should be happy with, with their, the outcomes, but nevertheless, uh, we are going to probably be in a special session pretty soon. So the, the 1619 Project, um, that was a podcast, right? Uh, it was an article series. Or, right. There's, there's, there's a lot of mediums that it was published through. Okay. Well, it, I, I, I was exposed to it through a podcast. So what I hear you saying is that if this podcast goes really, really well, we might have some legislation someday to, uh, to counteract what, what we're doing here. I mean, right? 
You're right. I think this could be the 2021 project that everyone okay. references. Okay. All right. Just making sure. <laughs> so let's move on to the state budget because uh, refresh my memory, the budget is actually the only bill that um, by the Texas Constitution that actually has to pass during the session, correct? Correct. And so lawmakers come to town once every two years and they only have to pass one bill and uh, that's the budget. Uh, some quick highlights uh, for our audience. To run the state of Texas for two years is close to $250 billion. I mean, we're like the 10th largest economy in, in the world. With $250 billion, lawmakers did set aside some money for mental health. For example, the Texas Child Mental Health Care Consortium uh, has over $118 million. Uh, behavioral health funding was spread across 25 state agencies, and that was a healthy $8.4 billion uh, to the extent that our, our audience works uh, in behavioral health. That's, that's good news. And ultimately, the, uh, the state was able to finish in the black, uh, according to our comptroller, which is good news. So in theory, we should not see any cuts to education. Um, one notable thing that I want to say about education, I get this question asked a lot. So I thought the Texas lottery was supposed to uh, be the, uh, the, the antidote for our, our woes for, for funding education. To fund public schools for, for one year in Texas costs $20 billion. The Texas lottery in a good year uh, is going to raise about $1.5 billion. And over two years, it, the, the uh, lawmakers project that the lottery will raise $3.2 billion dollars so it's really a, a small, a tiny revenue source. It's not the uh, panacea that it was billed uh, back in the mid-90s. All right. So now that we've kind of talked about budget, let's, let's move on to what I'm sure everybody's on the edge of their seat listening <laughs> for is actual bills that affect public schools and our members. So Marty, what are some bills about mental health or learning loss or issues that might matter to our audience today? Sure. One of the big bills uh, for for public education was House Bill 1525. This was a bill that, that funds public schools and uh, lawmakers uh, and our commissioner, uh, Commissioner Mike Morath, identified that there's this huge learning loss that's happening all across the, the state and in our classrooms. And accordingly, uh, lawmakers set aside uh, $1.35 billion uh, to help with that learning loss. That's um, a significant amount of new revenue coming to schools to help with, with student mastery and, and really after-school programs, more tutoring, uh, more instruction, summer school, those kinds of things. But what's, in my opinion, what was missing was there wasn't really an effort to look at the, uh, the emotional and, and um, social side, that, uh, the impact of, of the pandemic. Uh, so we set aside over a billion dollars for classroom services or classroom instruction, but there really wasn't much in the way of mental health and, and helping the folks like you do your job, um, in my opinion. So, you know, the one notable policy or a program that was funded uh, was this new supplemental uh, special ed services grant uh, for parents. It looks like a voucher. It quacks like a voucher. It must be a voucher, in my opinion, uh, but they call it a grant. And so special ed parents, um, parents of special ed children may request 
a, a what's called a grant, a $1,500 grant, so that their students may uh, receive additional services. Uh, and this is going to happen through the service center, and uh, TEA is supposed to give us guidance. And I'm going to talk about this provision uh, in a specific bill uh, shortly. Interesting. All right. So I think the one bill, Marty, that I'm sure everyone's like, just shut up and talk about is the title change bill. So <laughs> tell us what happened. Um, what are some takeaways from this experience of House Bill 3728? So the good news, uh, Ashley, and I think there was uh, several pieces of good news with regard to this effort in this session. Um, the good news is we had uh, legislation filed on this topic, which is always important. Um, but, you know, the question that I've been asked is, so why can't we see the vote in committee? What, what happened? We, we had a hearing and once you have a hearing, the next step is a vote. Uh, what had happened was that, uh, there were some members who were concerned about the efforts of school psychologists to be able to practice outside of classrooms. So what, what ended up happening was we didn't see a vote largely because the chair said to the author, Representative Angie Button, do you have the votes? And, and you know, that is code for you don't have the votes, uh, Representative Button. And so instead of asking for a vote, which might have been nice, but actually would have been would have had negative rep repercussions because uh, it would be very difficult to bring this bill back when the committee uh, in the next session, if the committee knows they voted the bill down. So Rep Representative Button decided not to ask for an official vote, knowing um, that she had basically the chair had told her you don't have the votes. But, you know, actually, what I would say is there was several takeaways from, from this uh, piece of legislation and, and this experience. Representative Button is well respected. She's, she's one of the top Republicans uh, in the party. Um, and, and that's a, in years past, we'd had a Democrat and, and this is not to cast aspersions on Democrats, but the both chambers are controlled by Republicans. So uh, this is a good step in the, in, in the right direction. Um, the bill was filed really late in the session. I would say in, in terms of if, if this was a football game, uh, it was filed around halftime, uh, which doesn't really give us much time to, to move the bill. Um, you know, I think, uh, what we've seen in years past is, you know, other organizations oppose the bill, you know, on the mic and this time there was no opposition. Um, maybe, uh, our, our colleagues, uh, across the, the hallway, uh, are, are now warming to the idea that, you know, the title change is not really going to impact, uh, their profession. When we're talking about the LPs and the LPAs, of course, um, and then we probably need to work the, the public health committee members to answer questions prior to the hearing. Uh, but overall, I thought the, this puts us in a, in a good position, I believe, in the next session. I know it seems like we talk about this every session, but some bills uh, do take uh, more than a few sessions. And I'll, I'll talk about one in particular uh, shortly. Any questions about that, Ashley? I have a quick question, actually. So have we gotten close ever to the title change? I mean, I'm, I'm still new to the field, right? And, you know, the whole uh, legislature part of this field is completely new to me as well, because I've just been a practitioner up until a 
couple of years ago. Um, so have we ever gotten close to the name change? <laughs> well, <Did you> chuckle? <laughs> close is relative. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. You know, this process, I've seen bills with uh, that have started in November and, you know, make it through the entire process. I've seen bills that start in May and get through the process, uh, make it to the governor's desk. So uh, um, it, uh, it's hard to say what, what, cl- what close looks like. But, you know, last year, I mean, we were on the sunset bill. Uh, and we were on the Senate side. We had made it through the House. It's just uh, <laughs> we're, we're like the, the Chicago Cubs. It's more, you know, way so close. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ashley. No, I, well, I think I think for our listeners, what's interesting about this one is this bill thirty-seven twenty-eight actually came from a constituent. Literally, an LSSP in Wiley ISD got upset last year, well, at the end of last session, because counselors and teachers got a fairly large raise, and that district did not extend the raise to LSSPs. So she, you know, did some grassroots advocacy, sent some letters to different, you know, legislators about, you know, that LSSPs should have been included in the raise, and lo and behold, Representative Button just, you know, answered the letter, you know, and then invited her and some other people from Wiley ISD, you know, to come and talk about it and then didn't hear anything. And then randomly representative buttons office called him up and said, March and said, Hey, uh, we just wanted to let you know, we, we didn't forget about you and we're going to file a bill about the uh, title change. Um, So I just, I, I like to point that out is that, you know, sometimes grassroots advocacy does work. And that was, that was how the title change bill from this last session came to be. So. Um, we also had uh, TASP listeners may remember House Bill 3667, which was about a school psychologist shortage task force, actually filed by my representative, uh, Busey, up here in the North Austin area. Didn't get anywhere, but that's okay. You know, you got to start somewhere. It, it would have looked at the shortages, the causes, and made recommendations. So we'll definitely keep in touch with uh, Busey's office about that to see if we can make some headway since the shortage does affect all areas of the state. What would they be able to do with the shortage? Is that just giving more funding to the schools or? Well, it was really just going to require the commissioner to just establish a task force to just study the issue and then come up with some recommendations. You know, what would be the answer to the shortage? So. Got okay. Just out of curiosity. So Marty kind of touched on earlier, you know, some bills that didn't really, you know, when we talk about the budget, didn't talk about a lot of social emotional learning. Well, there was one House Bill 332 that would have allowed districts to use their compensatory ed dollars to purchase, you know, to use it to buy more social emotional services. So Marty, that bill got filed back in November. So enlighten us as to what happened with that one. This was, uh, you know, this, he did it the right way. Representative Tallarico, he filed a bill pretty much on the first day you can file a bill and uh, sending notice and and a message that mental health is important and uh, social and emotional learning programs and services uh, should be addressed in the session. Uh, What happened was, you know, so it made it all the way through the house and it was on the Senate calendar and almost ready for a vote. And it's really uh, close, it's, it's the goal line. Um, it, again, going back to borrowing football terminology, but what had happened 
was Representative Tallarico was uh, passionate in his opposition to the critical race theory legislation, House Bill 3969. And he was eviscerating the author, Representative Toth, uh, on, the, on the House floor. Well, the Senate was watching. Uh, the Senate controlled by conservatives, and uh, they see that his bill was up for consideration on the Senate floor, and they decided, well, maybe he doesn't uh, uh, need to have House Bill 332 make it to the governor's desk. So this was uh, a political casualty uh, from, from the critical race theory fight. That's unfortunate. I don't think our listeners really understand that. That's that's politics for you because the representative is actually a former teacher as well. So he was pretty passionate about this topic and obviously had an, had an opinion too about critical race theory in our schools as well. But that's that's unfortunate that that ended up being a casualty because Texas could definitely use some more social emotional learning services. Uh, in another bid to Texas, an attempt to be like the rest of the nation is we attempted to try to change the word "ard" to IEP to <laughs> fall in line with the rest of the world or nation, I should say. And this one's been filed, I know of at least the last two, maybe three previous legislative sessions and has never really gone anywhere. So Marty, tell us a little bit because we're, we're going to still be ardent in the fall. Right. I, you know, this bill was surprising because generally uh, when you have the special ed community uh, getting behind a piece of legislation, it, they're, they're like tanks uh, going through the Capitol. I mean, they, people, uh, it's just, they generate sympathy and, and they have a ton of influence. And looking at the, the leg, legislative record, uh, you had so many reputable uh, groups, including the Autism Society of Texas, the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities, DRT, the ARC, and, and of course, TASP was in that esteemed group. What was interesting was um, this bill didn't, this is, a, this is a bill that amends the education code and says the ARD committee, it strikes the word ARD committee in, in statute and, the, and then it inserts the new language, IEP team. This education bill went to the House Committee on the Judiciary and Civil Jurisprudence, which was very puzzling. If, if I'm reading the tea leaves, it seems like the speaker uh, did not want this bill to pass because it, he sent it to a committee that doesn't really have jurisdiction over education issues. And, um, uh, and the and a, a Senate companion bill was also filed in a similar committee on the Senate side. So. You know, I think the more education, you know, next time might be helpful. And I, I'm going to ask the author, can you make sure that your bill is referred to an education committee this time? Just this is again, it, this is uh, inside baseball. It, to me, it didn't. I, this is a message that they didn't want this bill to pass. I have a quick question. And maybe this is just me being a stooge in this world. But it's, it seems frustrating to me because these seem like very little things that why would they care about whether or not this passes or not? You and know, I know we're, we're trying to think about somebody else's thoughts, but it's just in my mind, it's like, in my mind, I'd be like, oh yeah, sure, whatever, pass it, that's fine. It's changing three letters. You're absolutely right. You know, it goes, I mean, you think back to what we just said about the, the title change for school psychologist. I mean, what's, what's in the name, right? It's the, yeah. that Shakespeare, uh, what's in the name uh, expression. Uh, I thought this one made sense, uh, even if it was sent to the wrong committee. I didn't see it as a big deal. 
It wasn't like this was going to be increasing litigation. Even Texans for lawsuit reform who oppose litigation supported the bill. So I don't understand the the concern or uh, the direction for this bill, this session. But, you know, I think uh, it's worth I think it's worth bringing back. So another one um, that at first glance was kind of like, hmm, this, this, you know, this sounds like what we're already doing, but this, this bill's an example of make sure you read every word. So <laughs> House Bill 785 was, you know, the little bill descriptive was about expanding on federal requirements for students with disabilities regarding BIPs, restraint, timeout, and changes of placement. And and the first part of the bill was, you know, to ensure that school or children that had a BIP, a behavior intervention plan, were reviewed annually, because apparently that was not explicitly stated. So I know folks in a lot of districts are like, I thought we had to do that. We're already doing that. (laughs) So yeah, that part didn't really change from what I know most districts were doing. But when you read closer... So now um, when a district proposes a change in placement, the district now must no later than the 10th school day after the change in placement, seek consent from the student's parent or guardian to conduct an FBA if an FBA has never been conducted or the student's most recent FBA is more than a year old and review any previously conducted FBA and any previous um, BIP that was developed for the student based on that assessment. And then as necessary from the FBA, develop a BIP if the student does not have one, or if they do have one, revise the student's plan. So let's think about all the manifestation determination ARD meetings that our secondary uh, LSSPs do. Let's just say for the common behavior of possession of marijuana um, and you send them to the DAEP, uh, now we got to do an FBA every single time. So I think this one for our secondary folks, it's definitely going to cause some more work. I mean, I think one positive of this is that there's nowhere in the law that kind of details or explains exactly what an FBA has to look like. So in this case now, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had always kind of agreed, argued the other side that we kind of needed some framework around it. But yeah, I think our, our secondary folks definitely need to be aware of House Bill 785 and doing a whole lot more FBAs than we have in the past. Another one uh, I think folks in our school should be aware of is House Bill 1252. Up until now, the statute of limitations to file a complaint uh, and request a due process hearing was one year, uh, which again was a Texas-specific thing. Uh, the rest of the nation followed IDEA. And imagine was, that. <laughs> I know. Imagine that. Imagine that with what we call ourselves, including the you know ARD, whether you can call yourself a school psychologist. So now it is the statute of limitations has now been expanded to two years to file and request a due process hearing. Um, And that just takes effect September 1st. Um, So the complaints that were filed on or after September 1st. So I believe, isn't it September 1st, 2022? If I'm correct, Ashley, we may have to look that up. Yeah, we may need to look that up. I I was thinking that it was, uh, you know, this year, but yeah, we could look that up. Another one, especially given uh, the summer, many times what we're thinking about in the summer is resigning and going on to another district. 
And we used to have it where you had to submit your letter of resignation before the 45, between the 45 days before the first instructional day. So Marty, that has changed now, right? To 30s or tell, 30 days? Tell us a little bit more about that one. So yeah, just to clarify, the original bill uh, as filed uh, contemplated allowing teachers to resign uh, 30 days before the first day of instruction. Uh, now, uh, what it says is that it's still 45 days. You give notice to, let's say your principal, 45 days before the first day of instruction, but the actual written resignation, the letter can be submitted between the 45th and the 30th day before the first day of the school year. So it's a little, uh, it's still 45 days. If you want to, hey, I'm thinking about leaving, you can say that to your principal, but he'll want that, he or she will want that letter, official letter between the 45th and the 30th day before the first day of school. Yeah, so TSBP needs to look into that as well because LSSPs, this rule applies to us as well. Board rule 465.21 section G. So that also applies to us as well. Uh, Another one though that did kind of uh, touch on mental health services in the public schools was House Bill 2287. That passed. That actually was a follow-up from Last legislative uh, session, I believe it was Senate Bill 906, if I'm remembering right, but that established a task force on public school mental health services. And so now uh, it actually um, gives them, gives the Texas Education Agency authority to request data needed to implement and kind of work through these programs, right, Marty? Right. It, this was just a, a cleanup bill, if you will, allowing the agency to request information from agencies and school districts to make better use of, of state dollars. Uh, I'll be curious to see the recommendations that come from the task force and how we can uh, drive legislation next time. Um, one bill that did pass, kind of Marty kind of touched on it earlier regarding, you know, COVID and, and the result in our in our classrooms was Senate Bill 89. And this was the COVID-19 Special Education Recovery Act. And I know many of our districts were actually already doing this um, before the bill actually passed. (laughs) But basically, we do have to uh, document uh, or in a supplement, once again, another supplement to our ARD paperwork um, about whether the evaluation was done uh, during, you know, the time interrupted by, you know, COVID-19. And then if services were interrupted, you know, reduced, delayed, or suspended, you know, we had to put down, you know, basically talk about, you know, compensatory services and things like that and making sure that was just detailed um, in our paperwork. I have a quick question. I'm learning about all, a lot of this stuff right now, but where can people just like find this information? I mean, do they have to listen to our podcast? Obviously, but if they didn't, (laughs) where else could they go to just find this information? Like every single time there's a session. TEA puts out what's called a briefing book. It's a collection of, uh, of summaries of all the bills uh, that passed mm-hmm. impacting public schools. I, I was told uh, TEA will, be, will prepare the briefing book for the 87th shortly. And uh, again, you just type in uh, or Google uh, TEA briefing book. And uh, it should uh, come up because it's not, if you ever been through the TA website, you know, it's not an easy website to navigate, but uh, that is really the, uh, 
the definitive source. Uh, I know T case uh, and other special ed organizations uh, will have summaries, but TEA is the body that regulates uh, public education, including special ed. Again, it's called TEA briefing book. I'm trying to take like a litany of notes over here and trying to keep up with Ashley. I'm like, all right, what was that number again? And things like that. <laughs> so we're getting kind of close to the end here. Um, is there more things you want to go over or kind of just lasting notes for Mario um, or Ashley? I just want to highlight just two quick ones that I think folks will be interested in. Um, House Bill 4545 related to accelerated instruction. Uh, regarding those of you that worked with fifth and eighth graders, you know, that was, they had to pass star to go on. Uh, no more retakes uh, for fifth and eighth graders. So that's, and that does start with the 21-22 school year. So I think that was um, ha interesting. And um, for those of us that, you know, spent the last weeks of the school year doing um, grade placement committee ARD meetings, that's going to be a positive. Other grade placement committee meetings, um, for those of you that work in high school, the individual graduation committee um, became a permanent option. And this was for our high school students that couldn't pass all five of the end of course exams. It was, when they first did this, it was time limited and it was set to expire. They have now changed that to that is now permanent. And then finally, once again, another acronym has now changed. So get out the big chief tablet, get out your um, erasers. Senate bill 2066, replaces the term student of limited English proficiency. So LEP, LEP is dead. And now we have emergent bilingual student, EBS. So there you go. That's, that's one of the new acronyms that have made it way into our vernacular. And that was emergent bilingual student is what you said? That is correct. Yes. And just, you know, briefly, those of you that work at high school and sometimes have to deal in art meetings um, with athletics, uh, Tim Tebow Law passed here in Texas, House Bill 547. Um, so school districts may allow homeschoolers to do UIL activities. So they actually left it up to be a, an LEA decision um, with this. Um, so I think it's just something interesting for those of you that work in high schools. I'm sure you're going to get to experience this in the coming year. Marty, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, this session was uh, difficult in many circumstances and uh, you know, I, Overall, there's a uh, lot to be positive about as far as uh, schools getting funds. I think we can always uh, continue to move the needle on mental health. And, uh, you know, I look forward to working with the association. Hey, Ashley, could you, uh, could you give us a, a brief update on uh, the, the two anti-trans bills? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Senate Bill 29 was the one about limiting transgender youth to playing sports based on their birth certificate. That did not pass. Um, I will say just stay tuned um, and see what the results of the special session will be. The governor has called a special session that is occurring during the month of July. Um, we, I would say you can expect that one to come back. And then Senate Bill 1646, which would have redefined the definition of child abuse to include those children who are transitioning or uh, doing gender reassignment, that died. Um, so those big ones that were not supportive of all youth in Texas, um, both of those bills died. Um, but I would say 
hold your breath. Um, the governor did call a special session and I would imagine you can expect at least the transgender youth and sports bill uh, to be taken up again. So kind of at the end of every episode, Marty, since you are new, we like to do a lightning round of questions to kind of get to know you a little bit more personally. Ashley's already been through this and she survived. It was phenomenal. So I'm going to let Kia kind of take it from here and kind of just uh, shoot some questions at you. Yep. So oh, poor choice of words. Sorry, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, nothing to worry about. Just a little casual quiz. I did want to add one little thing really quick. I did look up in the meantime, House Bill 1252. Um, the statute of limitations that we discussed earlier, it actually, it goes into effect that extended statute of limitations on September 1st, 2022. Um, and so a sh- a, a, it starts a little ways into the 2022-2023 school year. Um, but again, I don't think that's going to have a huge impact on what we do day to day, but just for everyone's knowledge. Okay, Marty, are you ready for our lightning round? I am. All right. So just uh, Ashley has been through this and she has survived um, and thrived even. And so just some quick questions we're going to hit you with to let us get to know you better. So Marty, what is your go-to snack food? My go-to snack food will always be donuts. Excellent. Excellent answer. Excellent choice. Any particular (laughs) donut or any and all donuts? If it's got maple glaze on it, Mm. uh, it takes me back to my childhood. Yeah. Maple glaze is a very underrated donut. And I feel like every time I ask, they always have plenty of them. And that very, that frustrates me a lot. Cause so I'm like, no, you should be like, oh, we got two left. You want both of them? They're like, yeah, I got like 60. Like, do you want like a dozen uh, or something? <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. What is uh, one of your all-time favorite movies? Uh, Starlog 17. Starlog 17. A little, little wow. very obscure choice there. I like it. Nice. I, I can go, I can go current. Uh, let's see. No, it's uh, fine. Okay. Yeah, no, we, can, we can let it rest there. That's, that's, it's, we're getting to know you. You don't need to, to, to sugarcoat your answers. Yeah. Uh, what is a TV show you like to recommend to people? I'm a big fan of The Crown. Oh, such a good show. Yes, yes. I haven't started watching that, but I know it's it's jumping, like in the between seasons, it jumps years, correct or no? Or am I wrong? I think so of the, a different show. The original intent was that there would be six seasons, each covering a decade of her yeah. Um, time as queen they, they, they fudged that a little bit because of covid production things and things like that but yeah it's it's it spans over the course of of her reign and we're up to the 90s now at this point yeah, yeah. excellent show excellent. never heard a bad thing about it so okay uh, marty are you a coffee or a tea drinker coffee okay and what's your coffee order it's really uh black just straight yeah. black just keeping I, it simple yep keep it simple what is an unusual or fun fact about yourself i have an identical twin Really? Yeah, it's kind of creepy, but I've gotten over it. (laughs) (laughs) And then fun fact for this episode, I'm a fraternal twin. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So random. Look at that. Wait, are we talking to the right ones, though? Yeah. Is this this actually Marty? (laughs) Or is this I don't know what the other actually looks like. (laughs) (laughs) You're speaking to the evil twin? Yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Right. If you if you weren't doing the job, no, this is our school psychologist, but we'll ask for you. If you weren't doing the job that you're doing now, what would you be doing? I think I would join the the foreign service. Oh, really? I really like that. I really like that movie Argo. Get yeah. people through TA checkpoint fast. Yeah. <laughs> Being taken hostage sounds kind of cool. <laughs> It'd be an interesting life experience. Yeah. It would. All right. And then our last one, other than family, because that's the easy answer. What sparks joy in your life? I would say uh Summer league oh. swim team. Swim team, yeah, swim team. Uh, I, I'm a swim dad. 
So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I spent a lot of time at the swimming park. I still have chlorine on my skin. Probably, you know, I love the Capitol. Uh, I'm, I'm probably alone in that assessment. <laughs> but uh, I know I probably am alone on that one. But uh, I just, it's like high school, man. I, I enjoy the, uh, the comedy and, and the mayhem that is the Capitol. Yeah. Do you guys all wait outside the doors before it opens? Is that kind of how it does? And you like cluster in groups? Yeah. And then they're like, bell ring, come on in, guys. Is that how it works? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, the, it's the only click I could get invited to because since I didn't have any, you know, in high school. Well, you're part of the task click now. We enjoy yes. having you part of us. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and we're happy to have people that want to do that because then that means it's like I tell people when they say they love working at middle school. I'm like, I'm glad you love working at middle school because that means I don't have to go to a middle school then because mm-hmm. I'll send you there. Um, yeah. So I'm glad we have people that want to do that. Well, <laughs> thank you, Marty. And thank you, Ashley, for coming back um, and joining us. And I hope our audience appreciated getting an update on some of the new legislation coming to the schoolhouse and the state. Absolutely. Yeah, make a final plug if anyone's interested in joining TASP in our, you know, advocacy efforts, um, you know, just reach out to TASP, send us an email, um, email me. Um, We're always looking for volunteers. It definitely takes a village um, and we will not rest until we get the title change. So there you go. That's right. And don't forget to also follow our official TASP Facebook and Instagram accounts at TXASP. And you can also email us at podcast at TXASP.org if you have any comments or critiques or questions you want us to answer. And until next time, when we see you on TASP Talks, until then, make good choices.